Compass Media Networks. This is America's First News. This morning with your host, Gordon Deal. Train wreck in the Windy City. Good morning, I'm Gordon Deal, along with Jennifer Koshenka. On this Friday, November 17th, Glad you could be with us. Here's what we have for you this hour. Nearly two dozen people were injured when a commuter train crashed into snow removal equipment on the north side of Chicago. Israel has released video of a tunnel at Gaza's largest hospital where officials say Hamas operates a military command center. An appeals court judge has lifted the gag order imposed on Donald Trump during his civil fraud trial. He immediately took advantage. And the cities in the Midwest facing extreme drought conditions. Iowa, for example, is not an arid state. It's typically a water-rich state. There's two counties that the state hydrologist says are having the driest three-year period on record, and their records go back to the 1890s. Shannon Najmabadi at the Wall Street Journal on how scarce water in parts of Kansas, Iowa, and Nebraska can mean empty wells, no water fountains at school, and porta-potties. As expected, President Biden has signed a bill into law that keeps the government open until early next year. Without Congress passing the measure earlier in the week, there was the risk of a partial government shutdown starting at midnight tonight. More from this morning's Mike Gavin. The president's autograph on the short-term funding bill pushes a battle with congressional Republicans over the federal budget into 2024. In theory, it gives lawmakers time to negotiate things like the overall spending amount, border security, and wartime aid for Ukraine and Israel. While the move was championed by House Speaker Mike Johnson last weekend, he's vowed that he will not support any further stopgap funding measures. He portrayed this one as setting the ground for a spending fight with the Senate next year. Gordon. Thank you, Mike. The spending package keeps government funding at current levels for roughly two more months while a long-term package is negotiated. It splits the deadlines for passing full-year appropriations bills into two dates, January 19th for some federal agencies and February 2nd for others, creating two dates when there will be a risk of a partial shutdown. Israel's military has released footage of a tunnel opening from within the largest hospital in Gaza, the first evidence to support its claims that Hamas's vast tunnel network runs underneath the medical facility. Hamas has denied the claims that it has used the medical facility as a command center. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on ABC News. Already what we've seen from uh, the operation at Al-Shifa Hospital uh, are, um, you know, a huge number of uh, of weapons that were recovered. And uh, you have uh, assault rifles uh, found next to MRI machines. Uh, So this is one of the monstrous practices that Hamas engages in. The Wall Street Journal says finding a command center would help Israel legitimize its decision to send troops into a hospital. But if its intel is faulty, it would bring more scrutiny. Also, the Israeli military says it's found the dead body of a woman who had been abducted during the initial Hamas terror attacks. Yehudit Weiss, whose husband was also killed, was found in a home near the hospital. The military says the home also contained AK-47s and rocket-propelled grenade launchers. It could be a challenging commute for some in the Windy City today. At least 23 people have been injured, three critically, after a commuter train crashed into snow removal equipment in Chicago. The Chicago Transit Authority Yellow Line train collided with the equipment near the Howard Station on the north side of the city yesterday. Robert Jurowitz, Chicago's uh, Chicago Fire's second district chief, says of the 38 people on board, 23 were taken to local hospitals and 15 refused treatment. 
The uh, passenger train was traveling at its normal speed, if you will, I, they didn't tell me what it was, and the other vehicle was not traveling very fast at all. The train was heading southbound from Skokie. Television news footage showed medics treating people at the scene and helping some of them into ambulances. Service on the yellow line remains suspended. The red and purple lines are running with residual delays, according to the Chicago Transit Authority on social media. Thanks for being with us. Welcome into Friday. Former President Trump told his supporters earlier this year it would be their retribution if reelected. He told supporters last week he would direct the Justice Department to investigate, quote, every Marxist prosecutor in America. And last weekend, he vowed to root out, quote, the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. Some say his campaign is one based on revenge. His supporters don't mind. Here's Brett Samuels, White House reporter at The Hill. Brett, explain the signals. The majority of the signals, you could say, are are basically coming directly from Trump. Um, Especially over the last several months, he's sort of increasingly spoken about how he would, if he's reelected in 2024, he would, uh, you know, look to investigate Joe Biden and his family. Uh, He's lashed out at his perceived enemies and critics and talked about um, you know, rooting out folks on the left and most recently, you know, likening them to vermin that are a threat from within. Uh, he's targeted Mark Milley, the former joint chief chairman or former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So uh, Trump's own words have sort of uh, raised alarms among critics, in particular, this idea that he would essentially use the government uh, to go after whether it be the Bidens or Democrats more broadly or critics more broadly. Um, you know, he, he sort of raised alarms among folks that he, he would use the government essentially to do that. Does the campaign use the word revenge? The campaign does not really. Uh, and the campaign has sort of tried to distance themselves from some of the reporting out there that uh, specifically looking at how there are these plans for a second Trump administration to essentially use the Justice Department, um, you know, to implement personnel or lawyers uh, who would be more favorable to Trump, essentially more willing to go along with some of his plans. Uh, The campaign has tried to kind of push back on that and basically say, you know, if it's not coming directly from the campaign, if it's not coming directly from the former president, then, you know, it's just a distraction at this point. Uh, But, you know, one of the problems with that defense is that a lot of a lot of the evidence for this is coming directly from Trump and sort of the words that he's using at rallies and in other settings. Yeah. We're speaking with Brett Samuels, White House reporter at The Hill. His story is called Trump Signals He's Out for Revenge in Second Term. Um, he used the word uh, vermin, as, as you referenced before. That didn't sit well with some, correct? Yeah. So, you know, that's a term that certainly drew the attention of Democrats, especially, but also some Republicans, some historians, um, essentially folks likening that language to uh, dictators. Uh, President Biden said that it echoed rhetoric used in Nazi Germany. So, um, you know, the way in which Trump is referring to his political opponents is really kind of um, raising concerns, I think, among among critics and watchdogs and, and, and folks who are worried about what a second Trump term might mean in terms of him uh, really targeting his opponents uh, in, a, in a very visceral way. Yeah. I'm sure you get this uh, this kind of feedback when, when a headline screams that to one of your stories where people are saying, come on, Brett, this is another Trump hit piece. Yeah, actually, you know, <laughs> it, I did I did have a couple items in my inbox after this one. And, um, you know, I think that that speaks to this idea that, um, you know, for all the things that Trump says, for all the things that are essentially coming directly from him, 
he still has this very loyal base of support and folks who feel like he is genuinely fighting for them. He is representing their interests. Um, you know, he likes to say that, you know, they're coming after you, I'm just in the way, is sort of one of these things that he says at his rally. So, um, you know, I think it speaks to this idea that despite, you know, several years of Trump being in the spotlight, despite all the baggage that he brings with him, uh, he clearly does have a very devoted uh, set of supporters and has clearly formed a real bond with those people. Do we have any feel at this point for how voters receive these types of comments? aside from his supporters say yeah well you know it's it's uh it's the kind of rhetoric especially when he really ratchets it up ratchets it up to you know this idea of vermin and stuff like that it's a kind of rhetoric i think that you know tends to turn off uh, a decent number of independent voters suburban voters the type of voters that essentially he may need uh in a general election to to swing things his his way in in several battleground states Thanks, Brett. Brett Samuels, White House reporter at The Hill. By the way, a New York appeals court judge has paused the gag orders on Mr. Trump and his lawyers in his civil fraud trial. An hour after yesterday's ruling, Trump senior advisor Jason Miller called the law clerk of the presiding judge in that case, quote, a Democratic operative. Mr. Trump last evening on Truth Social called her politically biased and out of control. Here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. The Israeli military has released footage of a tunnel opening from within the largest hospital in Gaza, the first evidence to support its claim that Hamas's vast tunnel network runs underneath the medical facility. With pressure mounting on Israel to show proof to justify sending troops into the Al-Shifa hospital, Israel said it was still in the process of combing through the complex. Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh. We know Hamas has used hospitals like Al-Shifa to operate out of um, to conceal their military operations. Hamas has denied the claims that it has used the medical facility as a command center. Number two. President Biden signed a temporary spending bill a day before a potential government shutdown, pushing a fight with congressional Republicans over the federal budget into the new year as wartime aid for Ukraine and Israel remains stalled. The measure passed the House and Senate by wide bipartisan margins this week, ensuring the government remains open until after the holiday season and potentially giving lawmakers more time to sort out their considerable differences over government spending. Number three. A mistrial has been declared in the case involving a former Louisville police officer accused of violating Breonna Taylor's civil rights in the botched 2020 raid that led to her death. The mistrial was declared Thursday after the jury was deadlocked on both counts against Brett Hankinson, who fired stray bullets in the deadly raid. Lonita Bark uh, Baker is the Taylor family's attorney. You know, a mistrial is not a, a, an acquittal, and so we live another day to fight for justice for Brianna. Federal prosecutors are expected to retry Hankinson. Two men have been arrested after raids on storage facilities in New York City uncovered hordes of counterfeit goods and other luxury products with an estimated retail value of more than a billion dollars, the largest ever seizure of counterfeit goods in the U.S. Photographs released by prosecutors showed countless numbers of boxes stacked in one location and wallets and handbags stacked floor to ceiling at other storage units. Amazon, which launched with an ambition to become the everything store, is adding another product to its online shopping site, Cars. The selection will be limited to the Hyundai brand to start, but analysts expect such sales to become a bigger part of the business in the years ahead. This could be a big box. 
<laughs> to sure deliver is. that in, right? Yeah, that'll be tough. Need a couple of uh, Amazon drivers to deliver that. Dell's Black Friday event is their biggest sale of the year. Shop limited time deals on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top brand accessories. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free shipping. Again, that's dell.com deals. Thanks for being with us. Nearly three quarters of aspiring home buyers say affordability is the number one obstacle to owning a home. In today's market, Nepo home buyers are tapping family money to afford their down payment. More from Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Jessica, what's new research say? I saw some research that home buyers would need a, a salary of about $114,000 to afford a median priced house in the U.S. these days. And then another recent report that the median down payment in the U.S. has reached a new high of $30,000. So for those just starting out, those are high bars. That's a very hard hurdle to overcome. And what I've heard from the folks at Zillow and Redfin and Realtor.com is that a lot of young adults are just cobbling together resources however they can. And in many cases, that means turning to their parents for help. They're, they're called, these days they're called Nepo home buyers because they have to rely on family money to make that purchase. And that's, that's assuming that the parents have the money. Well, right. I mean, this is a very privileged network. Not everybody can fall back okay. on their family safety net, but those that can are doing it because it is one of the few ways to get into the market. All right. So not to get too much into the nitty gritty, but like, are you uh, asking for this money as a gift or are we setting up some sort of contract that says I will pay you back and here's how and when? Yeah, I mean, it really depends on everyone's individual circumstances, but sometimes it's just a cash gift. Other times they're tapping what would be their inheritance to afford their down payment. That often just, you know, can involve some sometimes uncomfortable discussions, but these are important conversations to have, especially just being upfront about your financial situation with your family members. I mean, that's important. We're speaking with Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. Her story is called, To Buy a House in Today's Market, More People Turn to an Alternative Lender, Their Parents. But you said in your piece, though, down payment isn't everything. Meaning what? Yeah, well, a lot of people often get stuck on the down payment portion of, one, of the home buying process. How will I afford the down payment? You can sort of wrap your mind around spreading out a monthly payment, but to come up with that big chunk of cash up front is often daunting. So one of the things that I learned is that 20% is often considered the standard, but it, that doesn't mean it really is. There are a lot of ways around that. The government, states, banks, credit unions all have programs with much lower down payment requirements, even none at all. So you have to look at what's around. There may be ways to sidestep the 20% down payment, maybe put 10% down or possibly even less. There are alternatives if you're struggling with that part of it. Uh, and if that's the case, you're probably getting private mortgage insurance, right? You're getting PMI for that? Well, it can depend on what type of loan you have and what your options are, but that is that is one consideration. And you want to look into, of course, you know, read the fine print, see what these types of loans entail and um, take in, into account everything. And that includes taxes, 
um, your HOA, if applicable, you know, all that stuff. It, you really do have to crunch the numbers here. Thanks, Jessica. Jessica Dickler, personal finance reporter at CNBC. 30 minutes now after the hour on This Morning, America's First News. Hey, it's Gordon Deal, your personal HelloFresh holiday helper. Seriously, make your holiday festivities stand out with HelloFresh with over 45 scrumptious recipes that will impress at your party. This season, indulge in the joy of cooking made simple. HelloFresh delivers right to your door so it's convenient and saves time. And with the very specific step-by-step instructions from HelloFresh, it's easy for someone with zero kitchen skills like me to follow along. Make it the tastiest holiday season yet with HelloFresh. HelloFresh lets me ditch the store run. No stressing about running back and forth or worrying about forgetting something. Their farm-fresh and pre-portioned ingredients make cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free and use code Gordon Free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free with the code Gordon Free. Unleash the tasty seasonal flavors from America's number one meal kit. Order HelloFresh today at HelloFresh.com slash Gordon Free. Behind the headlines. Above the noise, you're listening to America's First News, this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday, November 17. Gordon Deal, Jennifer Koshenka. Some of our top stories and headlines. A commuter train hits snowplow equipment in Chicago, injuring 23. The government is officially funded through the new year. Israel releases video of a tunnel at Gaza's largest hospital, compiling evidence that Hamas operates there. No more gag order for Trump in his New York civil fraud trial. A California college student suing Starbucks over spilled hot tea. Snoop Dogg says he's, quote, giving up smoke. Ravens over the Bengals in Thursday night football. And a message in a bottle found 26 years later. That story in about 20 minutes. This portion of the program is brought to you by Dell. Black Friday is Dell's biggest sale of the year. Save on laptops like the XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform and more. Shop now at dell.com slash deals. Towns in mid-America are facing water shortages as they grapple with a multi-year drought. A tiny town in southeast Kansas called Caney, will run out of water by March 1st without rain, according to officials. The problem from Shannon Najmabadi, Midwest reporter at The Wall Street Journal. Shannon, what's up here? That's what caught our eye as well. Um, Some of the things that we started noticing happening in towns in Kansas and Iowa in particular, but other places in more of the middle part of the country, resembled things that we have heard about before, but more often on the West Coast, like in the arid West. Iowa, for example, is not an arid state. It's typically a water-rich state. I'll give you two examples. There's two counties that the state hydrologist says are having the driest three-year period on record, and their records go back to the 1890s. So, you know, that's drier than a lot of um, times in, in history. And just to give you an example of what this looks like on the ground, you're having two towns where they are... Um, you know, having to take emergency measures because they're having so little water come from their typical source. So one town has four water wells they typically use. Those are producing at 40% capacity and they've had to tap it into a deep emergency well that produces water of lesser quality. Another town in Kansas, for example, is having to um, work on future solutions. For example, they're trying to build a water pipe to nearby towns to avoid this happening in the future. Already, they've had to 
moved their school to a four-day work a four-day school week oh, wow. uh, a lot of their students are rural residents so having them at home means they're not on city water so um, obviously that's a big impact especially coming out of covid to have students not at school for a day but the school has felt that this is something they can do to contribute they've also you know done some of the things that you have heard about in other places they bring in porta potties they bring in trailer tra trailer bathrooms with pre-filled water tanks they've even move to you know do more disposable lunch items they don't have to spend as much money or spend as much water cleaning trays um or uh having the urinals flush you know they'll use disinfectant and bottled water to clean those so they're really having to take these measures that have a practical impact on people's day-to-day -day lives because you're in the middle of this drought that in some places has gone on for multiple years wow we're speaking with Shannon Najmabadi, Midwest U.S. reporter at The Wall Street Journal. She's got a good story called Drought Leaves Midwest Towns Drier Than the Dust Bowl. Uh, is there any relief in sight or do you just hope and pray for rain? Like, how, how does this work? I think that everyone is hoping for rain. There has been some rain recently, and it seems like we hopefully will have some going into the winter. However, if there isn't rain, the situation is pretty dire for some of these places. For example, Caney in Kansas nothing changing they're going to run out of water by march they had previously thought they'd run out by christmas but it seems like they have a little bit more water on hand than they expected so that's a very real deadline that's in sight for them and they're working on solutions as their um, city officials say they can't just run out of water however just the fact that we're in this point i think speaks to some of the dry conditions that some of these towns have experienced yeah. hopefully um, there is rain but just planning ahead, a lot of these towns are taking on broader infrastructure projects that they hope will prevent this kind of thing from happening in the future. You know, one's trying to build a reservoir, so they have a backup water source. That's a big that's a big project. Um, I mentioned the other town that's trying to build out water pipes to a neighboring city or another rural water district. So they also have another source of water. I think the school district in Caney that I had re referenced earlier that's mm -hmm. gone to a four day week, they're looking at putting in their own water source potentially. So I think there's a lot of thought about how these places that are experiencing drought this year can put themselves in a better position if something similar happens in the future. Well, I, can't, I, I can't even imagine like how extreme some of these measures are at the schools. Like one is like turned off water fountains, right? Yes, that's correct. They've gone very intense <laughs> at looking at ways they can save water from some of the, you know, turning off the water, um, water fountains, turning to the porta potties or the trailer bathrooms. Um, to being really creative in how they're cleaning and preparing food. And I know they've really drastically reduced their water usage, which they're quite proud of, but um, obviously that has a big impact on the school's operations. Yeah. What about snow? I, I guess that would be helpful. Is that a potential in, in these particular regions? Yes, any place that relies on surface water, which is affected by snow melt, um, it could benefit from that, you know, the, the, the snow melting and running off and refilling some of their water supplies. Rain obviously would help quite a lot. The thing to keep in mind though, is that some of these places have had multiple years of drought. Thanks Shannon. Shannon Najmabadi, Midwest reporter at the Wall Street Journal. Coming up next, a mysterious sound baffles residents in a small town. Today's mic drop is brought to you by Dell. For your small business needs, call a Dell Technologies advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL.
Hey, thanks for spending time with us. Welcome into Friday. It's time now for the Mic Drop with this morning's Mike Gavin. Good morning. Well, we know that when you're trying to sleep or even just relax after a long day, there are a few things more annoying than a mysterious noise fraying your nerves. Now imagine the noise is needling an entire town. That's what residents of Omagh in Northern Ireland are dealing with and have been for weeks. Residents in the town of 20,000 have characterized it as a persistent buzz or hum that was distinct from more common noises such as traffic. One man described the sound as... It's like a vibrating noise, real loud at night, about 12 or 1 every night, telling the BBC it's been waking him up. The town council has launched an investigation into the humming, but it has so far been unable to trace the source. With the investigation so far fruitless, the council says it's getting ready to call in some audio experts. The situation is reminiscent of the 1970s Bristol hum, when hundreds of people in the UK city of Bristol reported a strange buzzing noise. After falling silent for decades, the low-level Bristol hum returned briefly in 2016, hmm before dissipating once more. Ooh, the overnight hum sound. That's a mystery. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, you know, for us, you know, we got to sleep when we got to sleep. Yeah. Uh, and any extra noise is a, is a real mm-hmm. problem for me. I, I could not deal with this. Yeah. The, uh, the, the mysteries of noise in my house when I'm trying to sleep yes. are not mysteries at all. Mm-hmm. Like I was just trying to chart this. Like So at, at 7 o'clock at night, if I'm trying to wind down, it might be the blaring TV okay. from the other room. Uh, 8 o'clock, maybe it's slamming closet doors as others are starting to wind down their night. <laughs> not naming names here. Yes. 9 o'clock, the dogs go out. They're barking in the backyard because they're all excited. Yes. And then maybe 10 o'clock, Brendan comes home. He's at grad school, right? He's commuting. Garage door goes up. Door closes. <laughs> yeah. So none of these are mysteries to right, me. Right, yes. Just, very stable, predictable hourly noises that disrupt yes. the night's sleep. No need to call on the audio no, experts right. on this one. No, no yeah, need. The perils of having to go to bed before right. everybody else in your house. Right. I, I know it well. Right. And hey. then in the summer, of course, it's daylight. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's also a problem. And uh, when the police aren't investigating mysterious buzzing sounds, they have other weird noises to deal with. A couple weeks back, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police in British Columbia responded to a report of someone screaming in a ravine, saying they could hear someone yelling, help, help, and were worried that someone had fallen off the cliff. Further investigation revealed that the help heard was actually a sad goat from a neighboring goat farm. The owner said the mama's the mama goat's babies had just been removed and she was calling for them. Thankfully, officers confirmed all was well and nobody besides the mama goat were in any mm. kind of distress. Wow. Yeah. Somebody screaming for help in a ravine. We've had something similar to this. Didn't we have another goat yes. situation? A, yes. I'd say a month or two ago mm-hmm. where police were called. Someone was yelling help and it yeah. just turned out to be a goat. Yeah. The, the goats are sounding very human-like with their distress calls. Is that, uh, is that the bleating noise that they make yeah, that I, can be a mistaken for a cry for help, I, I guess? I, I guess so. We've yeah. we got to keep the goats uh, under control wow. here. They're, they're causing large disturbances. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Did you know traditional bed sheets harbor as much bacteria as a toilet seat? The germs in your sheets can cause acne, allergies, stuffy noses, and other gross ailments. Fears, though, that you can put to bed with Miracle-Made bed sheets. Miracle-Made uses silver-infused fabrics inspired by NASA that are thermoregulating to keep you at a perfect temperature all night. Miracle-Made is self-cleaning, self-cooling, luxurious, eco-friendly bedding designed to protect your skin for more restorative rest. My wife and I love them. Now, my listeners can have a clean night's sleep while saving over 40% and sleep cool all summer and warm all winter. The website, TryMiracle.com. 
com slash Gordon. Claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% at checkout. Miracle-made products are backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, the website, trymiracle.com slash Gordon. trymiracle.com slash Gordon to save big. You can sleep cool, comfy, and clean. Miracle-made bedding, NASA-inspired for out-of-this-world comfort. Sleep clean with Miracle. Blocking out the noise and bringing you the facts. You're listening to America's First News this morning with Gordon Deal. Thanks for spending time with us. If you're determined and financially ready to buy a house right now, here are four reasons the odds could be in your favor, courtesy of money.com. Number one, the housing market isn't so crowded. During the pandemic, mortgage rates were near historic lows, which drove up demand and led to bidding wars that pushed home prices well above asking. Current mortgage rates, though, and people locked into their ultra-low rate have led to a shortage of homes for sale. But there are also fewer home buyers these days, and there's less competition between people who are in the market. Number two, qualified buyers can keep interest rates at bay. More than a third of home purchases were made by all cash buyers in September. Number three, home sellers are more motivated to close. The fall and winter months are historically slow for the real estate market. And number four, next year could be even worse. The Federal Reserve says it's not even considering interest rate cuts right now. It is eight minutes in front of the hour on this morning. Once again, here's Jennifer Koshenka. And now, the three big things you need to know. Number one. Israel Defense Forces say they discovered a tunnel in the Al-Shifa Hospital, part of an extensive network believed to span the underground level beneath the Gaza Strip. The IDF raided the complex on suspicions of Hamas using it as an operations base. This Israeli soldier describes the findings. We found a vehicle filled with ammunition, uh, RPGs, AK-47s. We see handcuffs. Nice. Preparation for taking hostages from Israel. Hamas rejected accusations that it has been using the hospital for military purposes. Number two. The House Ethics Committee says it found substantial evidence Republican Congressman George Santos of New York stole money from his campaign and committed other misdeeds, igniting new calls for his immediate expulsion by colleagues and prompting the embattled lawmaker to say he won't run for a re-election. Ethics Committee Chair Michael Guest. I think in light of the report uh, and the things that have been documented uh, in the ethics investigation, uh, I feel like that uh, at this point, uh, the, the removal is warranted. The committee found evidence Santos knowingly caused his campaign committee to file false reports, use campaign funds for personal purposes, and filed false financial disclosure statements. Number three. A jury has convicted the man who broke into former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco home last year of federal charges for seeking to hold her hostage and attacking her husband with a hammer. Jurors deliberated for about eight hours before finding David DePap guilty of attempted kidnapping and assault. U.S. Attorney Ishmael Ramsey. In addition to uh, looking forward to the, the sentencing phase, I want to extend our sincerest hopes to the Pelosi family that Paul Pelosi experiences a full recovery in this matter. DePap faces up to 50 years in prison. A gag order that barred Donald Trump from commenting about court personnel after he disparaged a law clerk in his New York civil fraud trial was temporarily lifted Thursday by an appellate judge who raised free speech concerns. The suspension of the gag order allows Trump to speak freely about court staff while a longer appeals process plays out. A long-lost masterpiece dating back to 1280 is headed to the Louvre after it was found hanging in a French grandmother's kitchen. 
Christ Mocked, a 10-inch by 8-inch painting by Florentine artist Cimabue, was rediscovered in 2019 when the woman decided to have it appraised. The painting had been hanging in her kitchen for years. What? (laughs) Could you imagine? I wonder wonder how it got there. Let me have this thing looked at real quick, see what this is about. That's smaller than like a regular sheet of paper, 10 by 8. Thanks, Jen. Glad you're with us. Way back in 1997, a Massachusetts fifth grader wrote a letter placed it in a bottle, dropped it into the Atlantic Ocean as part of a school assignment. Now in his mid-30s, he's finally heard back. The message in a bottle Ben Lyons tossed into the Cape Cod Peninsula was found in August, 3,300 miles across the Atlantic in France. A French fisherman found the bottle on a beach on France's west coast, according to the Enterprise and UPI. The 71-year-old fisherman was generous enough to send the letter back, answering the questions that were part of the science project. He wrote in French that the bottle had shells stuck on it, And then an article about his find appeared in a newspaper at the end of August. Oak Ridge School's assistant principal, Brandy Clifford, told USA Today that the school secretaries were thrilled because they felt like they found the message in a bottle themselves. That'll do it for this hour. For Jennifer Koshenka and Mike Gavin, I'm Gordon Deal. Thanks for listening to This Morning, America's First News.